Good evening, ladies and gents. You're listening to Hidden Apron Radio. This is Paolo Española, and you are on episode three. If you're returning because you've heard the first couple of episodes and decide, you know what, these guys aren't so bad, thank you so much. We've gotten feedback even from our first few hours of releasing the first couple of episodes, and it has largely been positive. And we are really grateful that you know we're able to talk to these really amazing people and have them speak directly to you on how they've learned to cook more, eat better, and more importantly, live well. This episode, or all of them, are really a way for us to find out you know, what are the tactics and strategies that people use to have a better relationship with food. So you'll hear everything from kitchen hacks, side hustle advice, how do you balance the multiple passion projects that you have going on related to food, philosophical arguments and commentary, and of course, just shits and giggles. This is really for everyone because, well, food is something we all share. So for this next episode, it is a little bit chilly here in New York on a Sunday evening, and it reminded me of a time when I spent four years of my life in the frozen lands of the Midwest out in Minnesota for college. And you know, there's nothing quite like a winter chill to beat the warmth out of uh, a boy like me who's been raised in the desert for 18 years of his life. Our guests today, however, uh, in their words, are flaming hot right now. They were just named quite recently as one of the biggest shockers in the food scene uh, of Minneapolis-St. Paul by the Eater magazine. And they've been consistently killing it with their pop-up dinners featuring their spin on Filipino food. Uh, I've known them for quite some time. I knew them back in college. Uh, They're two sets of brothers, but they're also cousins to each other. Because, you know, Filipinos, everyone's related to everyone. Uh, So today we're talking to Michael and Eric Irvis and Ryan and Randy Limbag, the folks behind Lola Rosa's. Lola, by the way, is the Tagalog word for grandmother. And what, what makes these guys really interesting is that they've done something that even I, the optimist when it comes to food, thought impossible given that Minnesota isn't exactly known as a haven for Filipino food, let alone the fact that all four of them have day jobs or day gigs aside from food. Um, and it's something that they've picked up along the way. And it's truly one of those stories that amazes me on how they've managed to pull a very diverse set of people when it comes to mindsets and backgrounds into a pretty successful movement that's really garnering a lot of attention. So on this episode, you'll hear how they managed to balance their responsibilities, including two newborns, um, how for their first event, unlike the way I did it, they did not play it safe at all. Um, I think their first event had about 2,000 plus attendees. Um, So more on that in the episode. How important it is to ask for help in order to learn about the many things that common people don't know about when it comes to the food biz. So the paperwork and and, uh, licensing and all the regulations that you have to abide by, um, all of this stuff they're doing on the side. And what they believe is the biggest factor to their success in driving their crew and, and Filipino food forward. And you will be quite surprised at the answer. Um, it was really fun talking to these guys, especially because uh, after I recorded the session with them, um, I had said, you know, we should definitely collaborate. And lo and behold, we're actually collaborating on a project. So if you haven't been following 
Instagram if you're following us on Hidden Apron. Shameless plug there. We are actually going to be returning to Minnesota in a month to host a really large dinner along with Lola Rosa's. We're going to be doing potentially 350 to 400 people uh, and trying to come up with a menu that is uniquely Minnesotan but rooted in our Filipino traditions. So for more details on that, um, you could check out the Hidden Apron website, hiddenapron.com. We'll have details on the dinner, why we're doing it. By the way, we are using the dinner to raise a million lunches for rural kids in the Philippines. That's right. We are going to raise a million. I had to say that twice because this is huge, right? We're feeding people in Minnesota and and foodies and friends and um, a lot of people who obviously want to dine on good, delicious food. But we also want to do something that will have an impact on the wider community. So if you're interested in that, if you happen to be in the environs of Minnesota, environs, why am I even trying to use big words? If you happen to be in Minnesota and would like to check it out, check out our website. One thing to note, uh, and this is completely a rookie mistake, um, while editing the episode, I accidentally cut out the first one minute. I kid you not, and I have been trying for the past hour to find out how do I retrieve that data without having to (laughs) re-interview. So my apologies that we kind of just jump right into the action. And so there's a bit of a skip in the very beginning. I hope that does not turn you away. Um, and so again, I do apologize for the mix-up, but uh, there's still some really good info there. After the first couple of minutes, we go into an intro. So stick with it. I promise you it is a very fun and entertaining episode. So without further ado, wow, that was quite long-winded, Lola Rosas. Who exactly is Lola Rosas? Well, I... It's me, Ryan, Randy, like we started it, obviously, but the whole squad has kind of grown. And yeah, I'd say like anyone who helps us is part of Lola Rosas nowadays, like not just four guys and then a bunch of people doing us favors and whatnot. It's an actual team. So, right, right. I think it's really cool that you have this like community support, too. Um, But just the four of you guys who are on the show today. Uh, and Randy, who'll be coming in a bit later. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what roles do each of you play, or is it more? Is it, you know, is there like one designated like, oh yeah, he's the kind of he's the guy who kind of handles our finances, and this guy's, right. you know, the uh, recipe developer. Do you guys have like set roles between you guys? In some ways, we do. Uh, for for example, I mean, like me, Ryan, and Randy do a lot of the cooking. Eric handles more on the social media side Mm -hmm. of things. Um, But as in designated roles, I mean, we can just go by like, you know, what we've done so far. Me, for me, I mean, I kind of handle the business aspect of it and communications, trying to get gigs and whatnot and organizing the events and as well as menu developing and then, you know, and help I help out cooking. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think we all yeah, we all pretty much have a hand on like, right. the menu development, like what should we make, what sounds good. And like Mike said, you know, here he does a lot of the business and you asked about like handling the finances, that stuff. Mike does a lot of that at the really finance level. Randy does sales, that kind of stuff. He he looks at 
kind of lot. Um, like a lot of front of house, like even front of house stuff. Like, yeah, front of house yeah, kind of stuff. Like, you know, what are we selling? How much are we making per ticket? He's like, yep. he's really good at that kind of stuff. And then Ryan I guess kind of like make sure each of them, like he's kind of the guys quarterbacking how things should be going. Like right. making sure that runs as smooth as possible. And then, yeah, I just pretty much try to handle all the promo stuff online and try to do that i mean because i'm not like uh <laughs> as talent as uh culinary <laughs> ryan mike and randy but i mean like i get i get input into menus and all that and yeah. if i have ideas these guys are good enough to take that idea and kind of make it possible yeah so. yeah, yeah. I mean, and then ryan i mean like also i mean with Ryan, out of all of us, I mean, Ryan's the one, like, with culinary background. I mean, he's been a sous chef for how many years? Yeah. Oh, former sous chef. Yeah. (laughs) Not doing that anymore. Right. I mean, that's cool. But, yeah, I mean, I guess from that aspect, yeah, I have the kitchen, you know, the, you know, industrial kitchen background. Like, don't mess with him when he's really intense. (laughs) I get scared. Wow. But, no, but, I mean, that's still still really surprising, no? I mean, you only have really, out of the entire crew, one person who has actual, you could say, like, traditional industrial kitchen experience. Right. Yeah. Right? It's pretty sweet. And, like, with with what we've been doing, I mean, it's been, like, a year plus since our first event. Like Actually, everyone's yeah, year plus two years now. Yeah, like yeah. all the guy, like pretty much everybody has, you know, picked up a lot of stuff, like kitchen wise. Right. Especially mm. with our time at the Bedlam. Randy, he's an industry guy, but he's like a bartender. You know, he's a server. Um, but even he's, you know, learned a lot of stuff in the kitchen. Mike, especially too. Man, my to be working and like, you know, us doing like you know kitchen shit. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, right. my my hands are really like they're they're fucking burned up right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. That's like the the right so of many scars. <laughs> the right of passage, right? I think I read like Anthony Bourdain's book about how like you have to get burned, and that's that's like the only mark of like oh you're in it now. That's actually a a good thing that I want to bring up later is actually how you guys picked up cooking. Well, besides Ryan, but one thing I forgot to ask. Partly my fault because I took it for granted because I kind of know your guys' voices already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it'd probably be a good idea if each of you guys, real quick, just so people know the voices uh, and the names, is so uh, quickly your name and then what your day hustle is. All right. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll start off. Uh, well, my name is Michael Irvis. Um, my day job is actually working for U.S. Bank in their um within their uh, i i guess investment group so i do a lot of analyzing for uh, the i analyze the market and help out the trade desks uh, with uh, with strategies on what what they can invest on and whatnot so that is literally my day job mm-hmm. i'm ryan limbeg day job well i work in kitchens um most recently i've been working at the neighborhood cafe you know just line cook it i bust there for a while too actually did that the majority of the time i was there um most recently you know i was at the bedlam you know a lot of the time and before that i was a sous chef at a hotel which is you know whatever okay and stuff but you know <laughs> what i wanted to do it was fine i guess in a lot of ways but it was like well if i'm gonna cook i want to cook you know right lola rosa right that kind right of thing so yeah, I guess you know whatever kitchen grunt 
if you want to use that. That's yeah, cool. I, I'd say that's yeah. You're you're a grunt, grunt a yeah, soldier, totally. you know. <laughs> and I'm Eric Gervis. I my alter ego is I sell liquor at a liquor store, <laughs> and uh, I also just graduated college. Yo, congrats, man! Ago. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's gonna be and, teaching uh, the world. <laughs> yeah, and I graduated with children's education, so you know I'm just gonna be trying to help the youth. That's what's up. That's what's up. Just imagine Eric. I think he'd be like every little kid's favorite teacher. (laughs) I I actually can't imagine it. I remember like hearing about that. I'm like, dude, like if I had a teacher like Eric, I probably wouldn't have rebelled in school as much. You know what I mean? Like I probably wouldn't have hated school as much as I did. (laughs) Um, Because like you know, uh, Saudi, right? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like, there's no one, like, come on, like, let's be honest. Every teacher there was, like, some middle-aged, like, <laughs> hated, M- like, you mentioned Eminem, and they just were like, all right, you're getting detention <laughs> for listening yeah. to Eminem or something. And be like, you ought to be like, nah. <laughs> don't want to take a risk. <laughs> no, no. So that's what's up. So, it, I mean, you're all in very different backgrounds, and to go into, like, the origin story, I suppose, uh, could you talk a little bit about how exactly did Lola Rosa's start? Because to me, it was almost... I mean, I, I saw the picture of like, oh, hey, we're catering. And then all of a sudden, you guys are getting featured on City Pages. Like, so how, how did exactly did, did the company start? Ooh, so it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a haze. It, like, it literally, what I would say, it, we had the idea, like, what? It's uh, always been, like, something we mention everyone now and then but then we really started getting the wheels turning when our lola passed away our grandma mm-hmm. and um you know this we all live at the time we all lived like within a couple blocks of each other mm-hmm. so like when she our lola lived a block away and then when she passed we all got over there at her house and met up pretty quickly and then took care of that and then we just had breakfast and then we just decided to finally get the make this whole business talk a reality and try and actually get it going and yeah we decided to name it after her that same day so yeah that's kind of where it all started I guess. yeah and like another one another thing to just add to that too it's like yeah we did all like live together like a block within the same block and our grandma was on the other side of the block you know and so we we were always growing up together we were, like we were cousins well two sets of brothers and cousins but we're literally our brothers and like our no our lola was really between us four you know she saw a lot of things i know she said a lot of things about us about how like you know we are stronger with us four together mm-hmm Yeah, I think ultimately, I mean, obviously, apart from grieving for and then, you know, celebrating our Lola's life, I think, like Eric said, you know, this idea had been floating around, you know, whatever, for years or whatever. But yeah, then like, right, you know, after she passed, I guess we kind of got the message, like, life is short kind of thing. Like, if we want to, let's just do it, you know whatever the heck we've been talking about, like, let's go for it. Yeah. Let's do it. I think that kind of... That's kind of what know, pushed us. Yeah, it kind of, yeah. yeah, it pushed us to, like, try to actually do something. Right. And and so it's... 
Yeah, I think it's very typical, um, especially with a lot of Filipino families. Like, you, you know, even you see on social media, people are very fond of their grandparents. And right. I'm wondering, like, was your Lola, her name was Rosa, I'm guessing. Or is it General like a, Rosa. Ah, General. I knew it. I knew there was going to be a longer name. I was like, <laughs> I knew it. So, <laughs> close, close. It's never, on, it's never that add simple. A few more syllables. <laughs> um, was she, was she kind of, you know, when people talk about food memories, right? Like they, they have these like very um, vivid memories of being a kid and cooking with Lola. Right. Like, was that true for you guys? Like, is there a reason why it was her that you dedicated it to? Um, was she like a strong connection in terms of food? In, um, in some ways, no, but I'm, in a lot of ways, like she kind of like kind of represents like I mean, because like when we think of Filipino food, you know, mm-hmm. we're thinking about growing up, we're thinking about family, mm-hmm. and, like we were, you know, with her so much growing up. Yeah, we ate and, there nonstop. Yeah, ate there yeah. all the time. Mm. Had plenty, you know, had plenty of fish and everything. <laughs> and rice all the time. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, literally, like if you I mean you're talking about for me, I mean, food memory wise, my Lola said, I mean, you you had your standard typical Filipino food that you know your any Filipino parent or grandparent will make for you. But, you know, the few things is <laughs> weird. Okay, so like the one thing that I still remember, and I think you guys will remember, well, Eric won't be, remember is, this. Is it egg? Is it had to deal with eggs? Yeah. yeah, yeah I remember that. That's my, my biggest. Eric hated Eric hates eggs. But you know how like Filipino style, we eat eggs, like scrambled eggs, like fried up on the dish and then just rice, right? Right, right. Right. And so like my Lola would like that would she would provide that for a meal with us because, you know, it was basic, simple, easy to go like do. And like, remember, she uh, like unleashed the powdered eggs. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and we're like, what? And we're like, what is this? But <laughs> yeah, I still called yeah. I called her. We called her. Out on it. And like, we I like it's funny because like I still I kind of crave it at times. Yeah. But like that is like a, like a food memory. That and Champarado. We ate a lot of uh, I know yeah, she made she that quite a, a bit. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. No, like, I can just like remember her, you know, and just like being over, you know, the stove, you know, like all the time. Yeah. You know, you Did know, you like, eat yet? There is no. kind of <laughs> like I feel like there is like something like perpetually on the stove for whatever reason or like yeah, rice was all and like it's comfort food, you know. Right. Right. And so it's not necessarily you know, that she's it, like a, you know, that master chef because like. Even my strongest food memories are with my mom, but she fed me like straight up ramen and and you know instant arroz caldo, <laughs> you know. Right, um, but right. it's that food memory of families together, and um, you guys grew up blocks from each other. So I think that's what I meant by food memories. You remember at least dining in her presence. Exactly. Um, yeah. A little, so let's talk a little bit about Filipino food because you obviously are. Are, you, you don't shy away from it. Like you, you say it's Filipino food or, or Filipino fusion. And right. Minnesota isn't exactly, I mean, it's not exactly known as Pinoy Haven. It's like, a, you know, the the ingredients for truly authentic Pinoy food, it, it's a little bit hard to find. Like you either you right. have to go, I think it's like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm forgetting my geography now. There's like what, Phil Oriental and then perhaps Shuang Her, maybe. Dragon Star. <laughs> Dragon Star. So, so how exactly? What was Filipino food like growing up? Like, how did you create those ideas? Like, what? Like, how did you form your idea of what Filipino food is? 
I guess just kind of thinking of like just straight up what we ate at home. Mm-hmm. And like my dad, like you know, my dad cooked a lot, um, big time growing up. Um, I mean, we've all eaten each other's parents' food, right, you know, all the time. It's like it's one of those things too. It's like uh, the um, with food wise, I mean we we kind of stuck like i mean i mean for like our how we kind of approached it is is like we go off of like the food that we ate growing up like which is you know like say obviously you know you you're everyone makes an adobo you know yeah um everyone makes some kind of adobo like no matter what you're always gonna have like somebody say my mom makes the best adobo or my lola or whatever yeah then um and you know kind of taking those flavors and then and whatnot and then just kind of really just going about just like like what i guess we how we approached it was like this is the food that we like growing up and you know we know that we're going to show it off to you whether yeah. you know people say it's authentic or not or whatever this is how we remember it growing up and then we put our own little twist to it and how like i would like to eat it yeah mm, cause, right yeah. Um, but that's kind of like we we kind of took it for granted like hey this is you know whatever we didn't think of this you know, like I said, it's just comfort food. So part of what Lola Rosa's was, I guess, is show that because a lot of what people think of as comfort food is kind of a shared experience in a lot of ways. Right, you know, right. just because of, you know, it is Minnesota. Not nearly everybody has had Filipino food here. Mm-hmm. And like right. the, I guess part of what has helped us is like, you know, people respond to it well. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I mean, because it is, you know, we, we, we like, we're really honest about it. Like, yeah, our food, you know, it's like tasty, just good. And like, yeah, right. And also it's, uh, we, you know, we just take whatever, um, I know like we don't really have a lot of access to certain things besides, you know, you mentioned those grocery stores, but, um, as much as we can, like, you know, we do what we can to make it as authentic or it is that we grew up with our parents. Cause like you said, you know, a lot of it is we learned through our like Ryan's dad, my mom, my dad, my dad has like a, you know, his, his like my Lolo's version of like, um, Caldereta is so much more different compared to like a, to your traditional one that you see and whatnot. By the way, so what, like is, we, what is Caldereta? Just for people listening that don't know. Oh yeah. Is. So Caldereta is, I mean, it's a stew, but you can use goat. You can use beef. I use beef. <laughs> yeah. But I'm more on I'm more on the beef side. I mean, I like goat, but um, beef tends to be a, like a little more of a. A lot of other people tend to go are a little more attracted towards that. But yeah, palatable, the palatable, yeah, yeah. yeah. Harder Yeah, and then I remember like my you know like my grandpa would always my Lolo would always say that this is kind of like a dish that is like served for like you know special occasions and right. whatnot. Like, parties like certain parties and whatnot but yeah i mean you know a lot of caldereta you got that tomato you know that tomato base mm-hmm. and what now like my grandpa actually kind of confused like fuses it with like it's kind of like uh, like kind of like careca in some ways but because he uses peanut butter mm-hmm. into it but then he didn't do any like tomato base whatsoever and right. and like he it's, it's like a soy peanut butter base with the olives and whatever protein you have and potatoes and yet it still tastes good and people still say you know that's some good caldereta (laughs) i I think that's like a really important like thing to point out because you know there's this misconception that 
oh, you know, the young kids, they're always messing up the traditional recipes. But right. even our lolos and lolas and our parents have been tweaking this stuff during For their wine. time, you know? And, and right. the, the idea that, like, this is a new thing, I, I don't necessarily... So it's really cool to hear that your lolo has already been tweaking it. Tweaking. Yeah. And he's one of the OGs, right? Like, right, you'd right. think he's, he, like, a traditionalist, but it doesn't seem right. like it. Uh, I mean, he he was known to like for his cooking and and whatnot, and so um, whatever he cooked, I liked, and I'm like, all right, maybe if I like it, then hopefully everybody else likes it. I wanted to uh, so two things. I want to go back uh, in a bit to something Ryan said a while ago about how you guys were received well because Pinoy food wasn't always received well. But Mm -hmm. first, I wanted to ask Eric since you handle the social media. Has has there been a backlash with your style of Filipino? Because I know in, in larger metropolitan cities, there's obviously louder voices. There's more haters. You could say like, oh, that's not Filipino. Have you noticed anything on social media uh, where, you know, people can be freer because they're, they're anonymous, where people are like, you know, what, what they're doing is not authentic? Surprisingly, no, I haven't heard too much backlash. But like every now and then you'll hear... Someone Filipinos. say, yeah, more so the we'll Filipinos. Like, <laughs> say, like, oh, it's not authentic, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, that's just, we're trying to do something new and it's working. So why, why change it? Why go back and try to make things mm-hmm. or go back to what they expect when what we're doing seems to be working and moving us forward and being, becoming more creative with the dishes and having more freedom? Because I think. That's really important is for us to just keep that sense of freedom, like not feel restricted by mm-hmm. certain rules or expectations from like the handful of traditionalists, I guess. Right, right. I mean, the idea of culture isn't supposed to be static. So like you yeah. said a while ago, like this is how you perceive Filipino growing up. So yeah, in, in, like, a, in a sense that is traditional then because that's what you kind of grew up eating. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Ryan, a while ago, you said, you know, you've been received well, uh, and that Filipino food, like you guys have been one of the, uh, most surprising things in 2015. I I saw an eater. Mm. And what do you think made your approach successful compared to others? Because if you think about the ones that have opened before, I mean, you know, not even naming names, you've had ones where professional chefs have tried. You've had people who've been in the food industry for a while who have had, you know, industry knowledge, probably more capital, and it just didn't work out. And so what do you think that the, the timing is just right now? Or is there something that you guys would attribute your success to? Um, I think, yeah, timing is, you know, a huge part of it, definitely. Also, I do think our approach overall was kind of very untraditional. We kind of just like, the catalyst really was um, Little Mekong. Mekong, Like, Mm -hmm. because I mean, it was a festival. It brought thousands and thousands of people in. So many feet, you know, so many, so many people walking through there. Um, So like, that was like a great platform. And like, we were, I mean, we really did not. We were not prepared. We were doing. Oh, hell no. And And that was your first event? Yeah. Right. How many people event? went to that event? I want to say that whole weekend probably topped up at 5,000. You guys chose your first event 
to have 5,000 potential customers. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, pretty man, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really bold. Like, <laughs> were you guys like, like were you guys just store, like, just like drinking right, and take... going like, you know what? Let's let's just do it. Let's just whip it out. People. Let's just whip it out. <laughs> it was ballsy. It was a ballsy move, man. Yeah, I guess in hindsight, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, literally, like we had to whip it's... out the big boy. <laughs> no, it's like, but like the way we approached it. I mean, sure, maybe we were a little too loose when we approached it kind of almost just like a block party mm-hmm. yeah. basically so like we did feel i mean comfortable in a sense we i guess ultimately we didn't know the exactly outcome. i mean how huge it was gonna be but like we were just like all right cool neighborhood block party yeah mm-hmm. we'll be busy whatever we wouldn't be it. that bad <laughs> famous famous last words yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean luckily <laughs> luck, i mean at little mekong um the the organizers and um the people running the show were really awesome. Um, yeah, can't remember her name right my, now. Uh, May, May. Yeah, she jumped in there. Oh my god! Was like, <laughs> was, I mean, we got our we we got our bearings eventually. You know, yeah. like it was fine after a little bit. But yeah, like, but then when you saw like when we like opened up, and then like we were late. By the way, we're like 20, 30 minutes late from like the startup time. And then by that time, we're like, okay, maybe the line developed just because we were late. But it just kept going and going and going <laughs> until we're like, oh, my God, we just sold out of food until we had to go last resort and try to make up some kind of dish on the fly with whatever was left over. Yeah, yeah the people were still buying it. What was left over? Like we started off Mekong as yeah, selling Filipino food, but by the end of the night, we turned into a peanut stand. <laughs> that's peanut all stand. we had left, and that's wait, all we could sell. Wait, what was left over at the end of the night that you guys no. were able to sell? No, it, it was peanut. We had, like, oh, garlic. Yeah. We had our Filipino garlic peanuts, peanuts, you know. Manette. Oh, my gosh. We got we had that, and then we had some Filipino garlic fried rice still. And then we had um, we had still some, kind of, uh, like, uh, what was it? Like, we had our achara, mm-hmm. too, and then we had, like, our cabbage, and then yeah, some spicy what, um, uh, Oh, yeah, and then we had our, uh, our sesame spicy aioli that we make. And, like, we were like, all right, we're going to call this our spicy rice bowl. <laughs> <laughs> like, we just threw everything together. And then, like, they're like, oh, wait, can I get the seasick? Can I get this? Like, sorry, we're, we're, we're out, but we have a spicy rice bowl. I'll take it. And <laughs> It's all branding. Like, literally, was this? We, we're, like, we're like, all right, we're going to sell spicy rice bowls for $5. <laughs> Break. And, yeah, like, like, through, like, you know. Um, the crew that was like working, Justin was working front, I think, and then no, Ra- Justin, Randy, and Crystal or something. But they like they sold it, like the team, like literally. I was like, just pump it up, you know. <laughs> How we used to joke uh, back in the day when like we'd see like the whole family together, so like including Justin's, like oh, the clan is coming, right? Like the right, whole right. clan is coming. Would you say you would be able to pull off? Or keep Lola Rosa's to the level it is now if your families weren't there? I, of course not. No, I no. So. They, they were, they are everything. It's huge. Like, I mean, <clears throat> just gigantic. Like, I can't even, yeah, we can't. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine. I, honestly, like, half of the times I think I would, like, it, within the business, like, the crew and stuff, like, I think we, if we didn't have them, mm-hmm. like, for me, I would lose my head. <laughs> right. I feel like, you know, a lot of them, you know, it, it's it's kind of, it's great because, like, we, in some ways, too, when we started out, we're like, okay, we have a pretty 
talented group of family members here. One's a part, you know, one's a party planner or event planner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got another one, JC, who does videos, Justin, graphic design. I, you know, and then I, you know, we all have that business side. Ryan has the food. Eric's more social media, like Mr. You know, he can talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. So it's like, let's just. <laughs> Like we had kind of like a little business already. Like little, <laughs> like, like each individual person had like its own department. You, you could know? have started your own consulting firm and probably charged like hundreds of dollars for this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the reason I ask that is because your story is that's a actually bit... uh, that's actually Eric's uh, future expansion for Lola Rosas already. <laughs> He's been talking about <laughs> everyone dresses up in suits. Yeah, and we'll reveal that when the time is right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Eric Urbis, VP of Development and uh, Global Expansions. <laughs> right. Um, right. The reason I ask that is because because the story of family support, I, I think, unfortunately, and maybe I'm wrong, but at least for the for the most part, family support isn't always the case. You know, yeah. most of the time when you when you ask Filipinos who are the the story I always hear is like, oh, I always wanted to be blank, whether it's in arts or in my case, I've always wanted to be in culinary. Right. Um, and family support isn't always there. Right. So if you were to advise uh, someone who's like, you know what, I can't do what you guys are doing because obviously you have family and my family doesn't support me. What would you say to them? See, that's that's really hard. Well, I mean, I guess first of all, just go for it. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, what are you gonna if you lose? believe in something, like you know, kind of not to sound too cheesy or corny, but you know, life's too short. Yeah. Just go for it. Whatever it is, fucking try to do it because you're just gonna regret it if you don't. Um, and then if I you're guess, gonna do it, just go like put a hundred percent and prove the prove the people doubters yeah. and all that wrong i mean in a lot of ways that made it really in some way like easier for us or like because we do have such a great support network and like the core of you know me mike eric and randy that was so strong already mm-hmm. and then you know everybody else helping us and like, mm-hmm. i feel like just all of us together mm-hmm. kind of like energy is like magnetic and right. contagious and we I don't know it just vibes well and I guess for somebody if it especially individual trying to do something like this or any other or anything I guess it could be, it could be yeah. a group of friends yeah or a group of friends um I guess ultimately really just utilize your resources and like don't be afraid to like you know reach out to people I guess yeah I mean like I said said, it was easy on us just because we're already so close but you can there there is a network kind of for like a hidden support network for anybody really trying to start up something Mm -hmm. or just your group of friends like I mean like word of mouth you know just doing random things like I mean just think of how many people we've run into like oh hey you know check this out yeah yeah, and if you then, don't have support from your family, you're going to find support somewhere else if you're trying right. hard. Right. I mean, I think like, the point is, is like, it's the point, whatever it is, do it because you will find a community or like that a community will, that will be there for yeah, you. Will like find you. Which more we or less. did. Like just yeah. whatever you're doing, because if you're doing yeah. it, you're drawn to things and vice versa. Yeah, right. Like the uh, the, the uh, law of attraction. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. and by the way, uh, Paulo, uh, 
Randy has entered the building. <laughs> what up, <laughs> Randy? Next to me. <laughs> nice. Um, basically, Randy just joined. Real quick, Randy, your full name. Which which family do you belong to? And <laughs> what is your day job? So I'm I'm me and Ryan are brothers. Okay. And Mike and Eric are my cousins. And day job. I bartend and serve. Perfect. Okay, uh, so we were just talking about family support and, and what you would advise to an individual or group of people uh, who don't necessarily have family support. And I think you said something really cool, Eric, which is like, if you're going to do it, you're going to find a community to support you, even if it is not your original family. Yeah. Um, does the current Filipino community support Lola Rosas right now? And by support, I don't necessarily mean like, Oh, they're coming as regular customers, but you know, mm-hmm. you know, they're talking about you and going like, you know what? They're 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 good young upstanding men who are doing really well. You know, like do they yeah. do they support you in that sense? Um, for the ones that I've talked to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for the most part, I mean, I would like to say um, there's a good uh, there there were some that that we had to kind of prove or sway. It was one of those things like when they saw the success that we've had with other groups, not necessarily Filipinos, mm-hmm. then we saw them approaching and be like, Hey, you know, this is awesome what you guys are doing and whatnot and so forth. So, um, yeah, but I mean, every now and then you'll hear someone say, Oh, well, they're <laughs> successful, but it's not, not real Filipino food. food. You know what I, I mean? Like, it's like, what's real Filipino food to you? <laughs> this is what I grew up with. <laughs> you know, or like they'll try to, they'll eat your food and then they're going to try to tell you how to correct it. And it's yeah. like, and then two minutes later, you still, on, them, still, you still <laughs> like, see them eating it. And, and then, like, <laughs> gonna, like, okay. <laughs> Wait, so. I, so I've been trying to figure that out, right? I, I was reading an article that they wrote. Uh, I think it was – no, it wasn't Travel Tips. I, I forget, but it was either Minnesota Monthly or City Pages uh, mm-hmm. talking about one of the Filipino restaurants that opened. Uh, I, I was still in college when they opened. And there was something that struck me about what the writer wrote. He said, people are not familiar with Filipino food, and it's going to take several tries of going to that – one restaurant that opened to learn about it, you know, and mm-hmm. to try to understand it. And they were cooking a little closer to traditional, even though it was right. a little more upscale. Do you feel like Minnesota is just the market that you need to make a more approachable fusion-y style, even if, you know, Tito's and Tita's don't think it's authentic? Do you think mm-hmm. that that's just the way Minnesota is, that it's still young, you need to create that hybrid style first mm-hmm. before you say... By the way, there's actually more regions in the Philippines. You know, there's the Ilocano right. food, there's Kapabangan food. And then, do you feel like that's just the stage it's in right now? Yeah, I'd say I'd, I'd say so. I mean, <clears throat> that was our kind of our original approach when we decided. You know, how are we going to go about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and with you know, with that being said, like we wanted to kind of introduce people to a bunch of Filipino guys that like to cook and eat food and then we happen you know happen yeah we are making philippine our type of our version of filipino food and we happen to be filipino and so you know put you know those together and hopefully you know that can draw different groups to us and yeah and to be fair like um you know minnesota is i mean it has a diverse food scene Mm -hmm. you know there's like a lot of 
you know, Somali food here, right. a lot of food. Mm -hmm. Filipino was kind of missing from there. Right. And But then, you know, there are a lot of people who would want, you know, a strictly traditional, and I'm not talking just, you know, like, just Filipinos and yeah. titos and titas kind of thing, but, like, there are those, there's that market that, like, if they're going to try, you know, some kind of ethnic food, they want the, quote, real experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I just did bunny ears there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't think that's, we're necessarily like, um, butting heads with that. Right. In a lot of ways. Um, I don't think our approach with food, I don't think we're trying to dumb anything down necessarily. Mm -mm. We are trying to have a sense kind of like, uh, okay, like for seasig, like you know, we don't use like the face of the pig, you know. <laughs> not that there'd yeah. be, not that it'd be bad, but like, nah. we're like, well, let's we like we love pork belly, so let's use pork belly instead. Right. That kind of thing, like. Yeah, we basically still have all the traditional flavors in, in our dishes that we do, and um, what was I saying? Uh, there's, I don't know, and like with the. What's helped out a lot is like a lot of uh, people, you know, they'll have their one Filipino friend and they're like, oh my God, yeah, I tried their food one time and I can't believe there's, you guys are finally starting a, you know, like catering company or like how do I get to order? I mean, that's, that's what will help out. I mean, that's why we want to start a restaurant and food truck and uh, we posted up at Bedlam for a month and uh, we started out doing our, uh, you know, Filipino fusion, and then some nights we'd test out, like, a traditional Filipino dish, and that gave those guys an opportunity to try a more traditional style. Right, right. I think it's like uh, you don't have to do the bun ears real experience, like, right off the bat. Right. Basically. Um, so... Uh, I, I'll put that at the end. I'll, I'll ask you guys about you know what you're up to for this year and and how to uh, contact you. But now that now that Randy's here, I, this is actually a good section to ask you guys about how you actually learn the 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 tangible skills to run a catering company. Because hmm. I think for a lot of people who who start off, like for me, for example, when I started, like I, I wasn't professionally trained. Like I had to go to YouTube and catering is a whole new beast right because then there's like legal stuff that you got to worry about there's paperwork yeah. there's the idea of like portioning and scaling like you're like i can handle 40 people but i can't imagine 5,000. and and marketing it's a whole new game and if you guys could talk about how did you find out like okay these are the areas that we need to learn and how mm -hmm. did you go about learning those areas well, let's see well early on well okay kind of early on our thing was, okay, what's it going to take for us to cook or to sell food? What's it going to take for us to be food vendors at Little Mekong? Mm -hmm. A lot of at the licensing mm -hmm. and permit kind of things that, you know, Mike was looking at. I did. Was that that kind of, like, that kind of defined. Where we started the out. The kind of stuff oh, that you're yeah. get. Right. And then, <clears throat> you know, you make, you know. I honestly, I believe, you know, your connections make good relations with people. They will 
you know, definitely help you out and like, you know, guide you to the right direction. And so from that point, you know, looking at like the different licensings that we need and so forth. Cool. Now we, we can, now we can throw down at these festivals. We're licensed for that area and we, you know, we're insured this and that. Then when it got to the point where uh, with Little Mekong, it, what was awesome about them was that they actually have uh, – they support Asian development uh, the development program in the Twin Cities. So they are big supporters of small businesses. And so there are a lot of people there that kind of helped me on figuring out what the next steps were. I'm like, all right, you want to go into catering or whatever. This is what you're going to have to look into you know, yada, 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 I have connections here, so forth, get that going, okay, cool, now we can open up for catering, now when now you're looking at, like, the food aspect of it, like, trying portioning, or how are we going to get it there, and keep it, like, you know, up to code with health, and all that, that, I mean, that's where Ryan and Randy really come into play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I figured the food aspect wasn't going to be, at, or was probably one where you already had some prior experience and i think it's cool that you talked about this like set parameters i suppose it's like you have Mm -hmm. constraints that you have to work in and i think that's one thing that i wish i knew earlier is because i i don't know i'm not going to speak for all the other people who've tried to start their own gig but when when there are no parameters you're overwhelmed by like oh my god i gotta do all this whereas it seemed like you guys said let's just focus on little mekong first right right and how to do that Yep. Mm, okay. Like one step at a time, and <laughs> we always said like a lot of good help. Want while me and Mike were trying to find licenses, that kind of thing. Um, we did. Um, <clears throat> we had early contact with um, somebody, a food inspector for the state, who was like really cool about walking, walking us through what we have like, to do, what licenses yeah. for yeah. what. Like we also budget was a big part like how, how much money do we want to spend on right. x permit kind of thing um, mm-hmm. how much money do we want to spend on insurance like those were real constraints that we had to deal with so the inspector guy he couldn't tell us everything like he couldn't like refer us to insurance or anything like that right but he was able to tell us like okay well how are you going to serve your food at Little Mekong? Yeah, like, he really broke here, it down maybe, to us. Maybe these licenses would be better for you. Because, mm-hmm. like, obviously, we didn't need some crazy license that covered us so we could have, you know, deep fryers, yep. you know, that cleared us for having hoods and that kind of crap. Because yeah. we're just, well, just going to sell food from a tent. So, <laughs> you know. I mean, it ended up as peanuts at the end of the night. Yeah, it's a peanut market after that. Yeah, so, I mean, that, especially early on, was super helpful because it, you're right, you do, you can get overwhelmed, but that really scaled it down for us because, like, we were like, oh, my God, there's all these licenses. Oh, my my God, there's different rules for Minneapolis and St. Paul, uh, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, oh, okay. We need like one license. (laughs) Right, right. In a way, he actually set the boundaries for you, which seems counterintuitive, right? Like when when people normally hear like setting boundaries, you kind of cringe and go like, oh, I don't don't want any boundaries. I want to be free. But it sounds like this is actually a good thing. Right, right. Yeah, that was um, definitely that point, like trying, you know, 
being overwhelmed, I, I'd probably say that's where I probably gained my most weight during that period. <laughs> Rest that testing. testing and all that stuff. <laughs> and yeah, and then we just always all like throughout our whole run, we've just yeah. had a ton of on the job training. Yeah. I think. And then like um to help us, I mean, kind of catering wise, we all had a really good experience working with Chef Rob. You know, who helped uh, us. Rob Menor. Yeah, Rob yeah. Menor. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he did it was, our. He did It was a, a, a smaller event, yeah. you know, but it was good for everybody to see us do a bunch of plates at once. Mm-hmm. How to do assembly line mm-hmm. kind of plating. Uh, it was really awesome to see, especially Chef Rob there and everything yeah. too. To, right. I mean, because like at the time, like he was there. He's industry, obviously. And then it was just like me and I had, you know, our good friend Janae. She was helping us that event too. So it's like a super awesome way to, um, I don't know, what's the word? Disseminate like a lot of information of how we're going to do banquets, how we're going to do, you know, that, catering yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, it's like... Um, what do you call this? This on-the-job training, I feel like, is uh, is often. I mean, you can't value it. You can't like. It, it's like it's so crucial that you just cannot overstate the importance of right. Uh, yeah, the it's job. so important to like you know to keep doing things early on, especially. You're like, okay, there's no event. We're we're, we're gonna do every event we can, basically. Mm-hmm. Like we did like a Dayton's Bluff little thing. It was like really slow and everything, but. It was just more experience we had, you know, setting things up. Yeah, and then we did the art crawl. We did the art crawl, you know, just that everything is like, like whatever we, whatever events we booked, we learned from. Yeah, you're <laughs> always basically you can't, you, especially in this biz, like you just can't not learn. Like you're gonna learn by accident, basically. Right. right. What would you say is is uh you know everyone has like their one favorite learning moment, and it's usually. A painful one what would you guys say would be like an, uh, besides the 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 conversion to a peanut bar <laughs> at the end of the first night <laughs> what would you say is like oh man we totally fucked that one up but this is the lesson that we really learned and i'm glad it happened what would you say would be like a couple of those events whoever I, has a better for me for i would say that always be prepared no matter what there's always like the like time using your time take that as a gift and like use it wisely because there were many times we were kind of known as like the last minute people like with the vendor. Hey man, like, Filipino time. Yeah, like <laughs> and, and, and like literally we would be like, you know, we, we are Filipino but like, you know, <clears throat> it, it, it was, you know, there were points where like, you know, setup time was like by five but then like by the time we got there we were like up and running 5.15, 5.20 but I mean we, you know, still got our composure and got everything together and we still killed it or whatever but I'd say that was my that that'd be my my thing. <laughs> any uh any other events that you guys um feel like were good learning moments? Um, I think, any spectacular uh, disasters? I think uh, the a great learning experience has been uh, uh cooking in a kitchen out of bedlam. Yeah. Um and also uh, the pop up at uh, cook. I mean it was just non-stop dinner rush for four hours and uh, I mean it was hectic it was 
Uh, Mike was about to uh, <laughs> Hulk out on everyone. <laughs> I think there was this one point. I remember there was this one point where we had all these dishes just come up. And me and Justin, Justin was like expediting and Justin was helping like plate as well. And then all of a sudden he just kept rushing. I looked at Ryan and then Ryan, I don't know, me and Ryan said something to each other. But we got in like, it got heated. And I think I said to him. I was like, man, say that again, or else I'm gonna put your fucking face on that grill. Like it got <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah, but the good thing is, uh, I don't think the like the guests uh, couldn't tell we were taking long, but like with uh, how we wanted everything to go, yeah. like in the back, it, like we were just uh, going crazy. Oh man, I totally I can sympathize. It's like so nerve wracking being in the back, and you're always wondering like oh my god, they must hate us. And then you go outside and like everyone's like drunk and having a good time and you're like, wait, right. what? <laughs> what? Yeah, it's like, it was, it was good. I mean, they had a lot of smile, happy faces. We had a line, which was good too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess for me, it would be Cook as well just because that was like the first real glimpse at what Our Alola Rosa's restaurant would be like. And yeah, they we got into some arguments I got into it with some people in front of the house. Uh, obviously, the back of the house was threatening to grill each other's faces and all that. I mean, the customers who came in and dined with us, they loved it, man. They couldn't, they couldn't tell all this was happening. But so yeah, I'm glad we could put out. I'm glad it was as successful as it was because it was a pretty big confidence booster, I'd say. Mm-hmm. For me personally, and I'm sure for the rest of the squad as well. So, real quick, by the way, it, when you first started, was this all self-funded? You didn't have like outside, like family and uh, friends fund, right? It was all self-funded, uh, and then you used the profits to like pay yourself back. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. It was all self-funded. Okay. Um. So we're getting to the top of the hour. I still have a uh, few questions for you guys, yeah. but uh, one thing that I forgot to ask way in the beginning was, you know, you guys have your own day jobs your own side hustles. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about was I know Ryan and Eric, do you guys still do music? Um, um yeah, I actually, for a couple months, I can't, I, I'll, like while we were cooking at the Bedlam, I was playing music every week there too. Oh my gosh, you, you pre- pretty much monopolized the entire dining experience. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well have owned like the electric funny. company yes. that powered the place. <laughs> yeah, it's it funny. It, yeah, oftentimes like, I, I play, you know, I play a show. You know, like it was a half hour, five to seven on Thursdays, not a lucrative spot. But, you know, I'm like, dude, yeah, I'd love to play at that time, whatever. <laughs> so, you know, it'd be fun. Like, there'd be, there were several shows where I'd be yeah. up there and be like, yeah, if you guys want to buy chicken wings later, you know, <laughs> totally going to be in the kitchen later. Go ahead and buy some. Right, right. Uh, so- but, yeah, totally, especially <laughs> recently, I'm just trying to get, you know, really make music a bigger part of my life, you know, that kind of thing. And I keep trying to coerce Eric into, like, finally doing our rap group guapo g together <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i just want that to happen yeah um, i mean surprising now that I, I mentioned i had finished school earlier and yeah i'm just i'm with ryan i'm slowly trying to make music a bigger part of my life now because it's been a good couple years but yeah, got some the, stuff lined up in called? the next couple weeks to see if i could 
lay some stuff down, maybe release it if I like it, but if not, then I'm still retired. <laughs> no, so the reason I bring that up is, it, you know, from an outsider, like, this is insane, right? If you think about it, you're running a catering company with no prior experience. Your first event yeah. was 5,000 people. You're posted up on regular dinner rush nights, right? Um, yeah. And your side gigs are not exactly easy. It's not like you guys are, like, sleeping in your mom's basement playing video games all day. Like, you have yeah. actual day jobs, and they're not they're not easy. Like, they're, it's like... Yeah. School itself is not easy for, for Eric's case, and, and being a line cook is one of, I mean, everyone talks about how grueling it is. What do you, how, how, how have you guys balanced and stayed emotionally sane? Like, do you go to, like, group therapy? It's kind of hard to. I let the guys know that school is a big priority, so I was like, yeah, a good chunk of our success is on these guys' shoulders. But, like, I tried to – I had my priorities set. I wanted to graduate college. But now that I'm done, hopefully I could be in there more. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. It's like, I mean, I mean, for a while, I mean, like, you know, we it, – it's, it's tough. Like, you have to – you really – you really have to find ways to work around it. And I think communication was a big thing that we've kind of dealt with. I mean, for a while, these two guys, Ryan and Randy, both have, they like during the time we started, both had newborns yeah. and all that. See, that's another and, issue, right? It's, that's another right, crazy. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, so like as much like time and whatever they want to put in as well, I mean, there's jobs and then like, you know, they're, you know, like raising a brand newborn and whatnot. So, I mean, for a little, I mean, for a little bit, you know, you had to have somebody that had to do the due diligence, like to just take care, you know, whatever. So I was started organizing things and, you know, kind of putting more pressure on myself to try to get this stuff done until to the point where it could kind of, we could spread it out. You know what I mean? Big time. Like, yeah, there have been several times, no, we've, we've, We've all picked up each other's slack right. at one point or yeah. another. And that really helps, mm-hmm. you know, that we're not just, yes, we are, like, four different minds. So, like, we all have to make, you know, decisions, you know. Right. Like, as four guys, not all of us are always going to be happy with every decision. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you take the other side, too. Yeah, we have, we have picked up each other's slack yep. several times. And kind of like a, like a raid redundant system kind of thing <laughs> like at least one or a couple of us are going to be going at all times right. and like, yeah it's it yeah like it is hard to juggle everything and like all of each and every one of us have had you know other things come up we couldn't all be here or whatever doing something together mm-hmm. it's like i don't yeah, know basically if we're all there uh, that's like yeah, it's just like moment. easy mode. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 hard to even think of. Like, I I totally forgot about the newborn thing too. Is I can't imagine how you would stay emotionally sane, right? Like, what do you guys do for for release? Well, once once you have a newborn, basically it just trains you to, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know, just. Multitask you, you don't, like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you don't get tired because having a newborn. Yeah. What? No. Tired, <laughs> like speak for yourself. So, and my main thing is just uh, 
planning. Yeah, gotta yeah, have and, a good and, plan. And like we are understanding to all of each other. Like you know, there have been times where it's like I got some other shit I gotta do. Yeah, I can't, or for whatever reason, hey, my mind's you know whatever. It's like all right, cool, do what you gotta do, kind of thing. Like yeah. we we have been very supportive of each other in that sense, also, mm-hmm. where we all recognize that we can't as much as we are putting our hearts into Lola Roses and everything, like it can't be the only Yeah. Yeah. We under we all understand that and like that would be unhealthy anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It but, probably isn't uh it probably isn't what, what your Lola would have wanted to begin with anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Totally. So we try to respect that. Right. You know? At the same time, you know, we do want to push each other all the time too. Because mm-hmm. we don't want to lose steam. We mm-hmm. want to keep going. We want to build, we want to grow. We still want to have that restaurant. Can um, I ask why, by the way? Why, why a restaurant? Well, I mean, we're, I mean, that's kind of the end game. We're, I don't know. Right now we're in the toss-up whether it's going to be a food truck or a restaurant. But yeah. um, Restaurant, I think, just so we have that, we can like kind of fully realize what is Lola Rosa's food, mm. what is the experience going to be like. Yeah, right, right. can really define it. Or at least help define it. I think it will be a two-way road with wherever we are and the mm-hmm. community around us. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, and like we, I mean, Lola Rosa's. It is a brand. We are developing a brand. Yeah. yeah. You know, and like with the with a big stress of like you know, the aspect of family. I mean, literally, our business is like made up of our family, and you know, we kind of treat it like. You come in and dine with us. You leave out as another family member. Right, right. So we're about to the end of the show, but I have a couple of like, think of them like tasting menu questions. Okay. To the cooks uh, of the group, person who most influenced you from a culinary standpoint and why? This is Randy, my dad. Uh, My dad and grandpa, pretty much. I I grew up uh, with my grandpa. He cooked me food coming home from kindergarten, and then my dad would be cooking dinner every single night. So uh, they're the most influential. Uh, I basically just watched them cook, and then um, at some point, you know, they wouldn't be home, and I would just do what they did. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, this is Mike. I'd say probably like my my Lolo. As well as I mean, he was always constantly cooking for like our like our family, like at our house because he lived with us. <laughs> that would be another one. And then to be honest, I would. Uh, it's not necessarily a person, but the fact you know when the Food Network channel came out, you saw all that <laughs> stuff. People cooking, you're like, man, it'd be cool to be like that. <laughs> right. So right. I mean, that kind of drove drove me into like pursuing more in the culinary aspect and also being. You know, living by yourself in college, then trying to feed yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gosh, okay. well, let's see. Much for much of my life, I like, like I was only involved with Filipino food, like kind of as a spectator or a taster, I guess. Like I never really made it up until little Rosas and stuff. I guess taste-wise, I just like Randy. I'll think about my dad because he cooked. Like, when I think of what I want Filipino food to taste like, I think of how my dad made it, basically. Mm. 
Right. And I guess in turn how Randy makes his, like I really like Randy's adobo and how he does his fried rice and all that. Um, from chef kind of standpoint, celebrity chef wise, I don't know. I don't, can't think of if I had anybody that's like influential or that I like look up to super hardcore any more than any other cool guy, Gordon Ramsay kind of chef. Yeah, yeah. Probably my first, the chef that hired me like at Corks or at the embassy a few years ago to like actually get in like a real kitchen kitchen. His name is Chef Dave. His name is Dave Thomas. Not the Wendy's Dave Thomas. And I only worked with him for probably like three months or something. But like just a lot of the stuff he did with me it really resonated with me and that I still use or follow to this day that I've even like passed on to like other cooks I've worked with and like he was just like really cool dude not like a softy but he was not straight up dickhead either mm-hmm. and he, he was really good at teaching I kind of took that for granted I was learning a lot of shit with him and I'm just like all right cool you know working in a kitchen school and you know, all chefs are pretty awesome but then you know, I've worked with you know several others just his approach is really awesome. Like he approached it like a teacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he's paying me, and I tried to emulate it several times since then. Right. Okay. To Eric and Mike, probably, mm. and I don't mean this in a bad way, but being the more junior members when it comes to the culinary arts, best kitchen tool you've purchased ever, besides your knife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. You want okay, the best? I want to say it was like I, I didn't purchase this, but um, it was more as it was it was a gift, and I've always wanted it. Uh, it was a, a, um, a an emulsion blender. Oh, blender. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, God, you can. I don't, I don't even own one. Those are awesome. Those man. are so awesome, man. Yeah. You know, you can make a. I can make my smoothies with that every morning. B, you can make a dang good soup or puree or like any kind of sauce out of that. Oh, that is probably like my best tool. I was gonna say chef knife, but no, you, you, everyone you says that. Out you 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 yeah. took you, you took that out. Um, but Man. yeah, I'd probably say that. Yeah, that, that <laughs> I don't see that's bull. See that's bullshit because, <laughs> because when it came to Christmas, I talked to Justin and he told he told me that he was thinking about getting like that thing emulsifier whatever it's called yeah <laughs> and he was like no nah, you could get it for him because and i was like no nah, i don't even know what the hell that is i don't even know if you'd like it but now it's like his favorite tool so, <laughs> that could have been me so i was like damn i could have could have been that contributor you could have been the but, thoughtful one that changed his culinary his culinary yeah, progression exactly and, but i don't know man I, I barely even cook i mean i could whip up a meal for myself and shit but Best thing I ever bought for myself was probably a blender. No, yeah. <laughs> no hey, you I like I would agree with you. Like the Dagon blender, it's changed you know, my life. Uh, medium power to high power to low power. <laughs> Different consistencies. <laughs> Get out of here, man. Consistencies? Come on, man. <laughs> All right. Group question. Yeah. Uh, you guys gotta agree on this. Three spices to describe Lola Rosa's. Spices, spices. Oh, yep. I say like what we hot, <laughs> we hot right now. <laughs> spicy, uh, or so spices. Like actually, like spices, yeah, spices. Yeah, spices. Well, so that, in, that includes like cayenne salt, pepper. Okay, cayenne. We're flaming right now. I'd say right. we're, we're, we're hot right now. No, I mean like Straight I would say pot or bay leaf. Yeah, bay leaf one. Yeah. 
That's a definite. I don't know if Suka is a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, what describes us right now? Is that like, what you're asking, Paulo? Yep, like, what yep. spices describe us? Like, like personality and like what we're doing. No, the company. Yeah, well, like the, yeah, the, the company itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I was just saying, yeah. not like bay leaf and anything. I mean, yeah, we use bay leaves a lot, but <laughs> that's why I say cayenne pepper is one. Okay, because you're flaming. All right, that's we're one. Flaming right now. Uh, garlic, because we are powerful. <laughs> 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 Yo, I did not expect that one. All right. What's the third one? What's the third one? Third spice. Let's see. Brown sugar. Whoa. Yeah. Because we brown Because we brown and sweet. <laughs> this, so, that's uh, just ridiculous. Like, that actually would taste good. You just add a protein to that, and that blend would totally... You should yeah. totally make a Lola Rosa's spice blend, like a marinade right. or some shit. You could probably be good on a chicken wing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know who this question should go to, but probably the uh, the, the the geekiest or, or the most, I don't know, the most well-read, I suppose. But if you were to recommend a book, a documentary, or a resource for you know, someone who is looking to get into the food space either as as anything as a food critic as a writer as a blogger as a as a cook what would that resource be i i mean personally i'd say i was a big fan of anthony bourdain's no reservation Mm, yeah that introduced you to like the personal side to the professional side the shit that he had to deal with I mean, that's me. I mean, then honestly, I've read a few other books, but that's the only one that really sticks out to me that I still go to this day and I'll still like read different, you know, parts of it just because it's kind of like inspirational in some ways. And at the same time, it's like, shit, I wonder when we're going to deal with that. Or maybe, yeah, shit, we're dealing through this right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one specifically for Eric because he's in the the child education space. So this is a bit of a selfish question because I think for me, I'm really interested in seeing how do you make sure that our our next generation, especially since you, there's newborns in the uh, Lola Rosa crew now, uh, yeah. learn how to eat well, right? I mean, if you just read the news, there's so much like messed up shit going on with our food. Is If you had to take Lola Rosa's story and teach it to kids, what would be the message that you would tell kids? About just eating correctly or like... No, like food like food and like food in general. Like, or, or you know what? Let's make it simpler. If you just had to boil down the story of Lola Rosa's into one one-hour class, what would, you, what would you teach? Man, that's all about... I guess it would be a lesson plan on family and oh, man. support, I guess... You know, I mean, yeah, that's the foundation of it. Yeah, we are, uh, we are all about food and all that, but we wouldn't be where we are without that. And right, right. I think working with kids now, I feel like that is a lesson plan that is very relevant to their lives. I mean, I I work with inner city, so it's like the family support or just support in general is something that they need and that they need to be more conscious about and yeah they would fall back on family i i feel like that's like uh we could do a whole separate episode it'd be interesting to do a whole separate episode on just because i've heard of initiatives that have you know gotten 
there was a movie on Netflix where they took like these inner city kids and trained them to be chefs, and they were like killing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's a really great answer. Um, yeah, I mean, with cooking, you learn a lot of stuff that helps out outside of the kitchen. I know mm-hmm. you know, like discipline, all right. that. Right, right, so, right. Yeah, and it's hey, maybe I maybe I'll make a lesson plan out of it. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last question for people who want to follow the journey. Uh, where can people find you uh, physically for those in Minnesota? And where can people find you online? All right. Well, physically, we are um, anywhere in the Twin Cities metro. Uh, for now, I mean, our next gig is going to be I cook again. We're going to be doing a pop up, and it seems like we're going to be doing kind of like a monthly thing with them out of in, out in St. Paul. Um, online, you can find us at Lola Rosa's one word on Facebook and Lola Rosa's MN on Instagram and Twitter. Nice. And then we have our work in progress website. Yep. Uh, I saw that the other day. (laughs) Yeah, you can still message us and you can, you know, get at us. Uh, But that is at Lola Rosa's MN at, or sorry, that's our Gmail account. It's it's Lola Rosa's MN.com. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, like, I wish uh, we were doing this live. Well, actually, you know what? That's probably a bad idea because every time we were like to get at least me and Mike, somehow there's just always too much whiskey involved. And I feel like we would have probably broken the microphone like halfway through. So I think it's it's not working anymore. (laughs) Like we spilled something on it. Um, But no, thanks, guys, for the time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. No, no. I I feel like people need to know this story, especially, uh, you know, me one year ago would not have believed something like this would have been possible um if you told me to balance a day job and a kid you know and running a catering company without knowing anything i would have said there's no way and i think you guys have like proven it hopefully we'll we we should like collab sometime if i'm ever back in minnesota do a do like a collaborative something i don't know love to with with some whiskey involved, <laughs> of course, yeah, plenty of it, whiskey. plenty of it. Well, no, no face grilling though. I don't know about. No, no. <laughs> I don't know about that. Sure. I, I'm, I'm no trying guarantee. to like. I'm trying to harness the <laughs> the Bruce Banner inner Bruce Banner in me. All right. So it's all good. <laughs> all right, thanks, guys. <laughs>